Daniel chapter 12, verse number 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of Daniel's people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people, Israel, shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the contempt of God. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel 12, 1 through 3, is a prophecy of the upcoming tribulation period. And even though it will affect every man, woman, and child left on earth, many of whom will die during that period, even though it will affect everybody on earth, its primary purpose will, bring, will be to bring Israel to her knees before the Lord. It will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Another scripture calls it Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble, referring to the purpose of the tribulation. According to scripture, the Michael who is referred to here is an archangel of God. We find him in chapter 10 of Daniel. We find him in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And he is directly involved in fighting for Israel and for the glory of God. His area of responsibility is always Israel. Not New Testament saints, not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do see Gabriel, for example, I think is another archangel. We see him ministering to New Testament saints, but not, not this angel. His presence here helps to illustrate that the New Testament saints aren't go are gone. They're not here. This tribulation doesn't affect the New Testament saint as far as I can see. This angel's presence tells us that the saints have already been removed from the earth. I know it's not a clear and precise declaration of that sort of thing, but this, this helps me to see what other scriptures say about the presence of the church or the saints, New Testament saints, during the tribulation. It is... Theological theft, it is a crime against souls, it is a crime against the glory of God to say that Old Testament references to Israel are actually talking about New Testament saints right. yes. or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are two distinct right. entities. Yes. And there are promise after promise after promise given to Israel which shall be fulfilled. Some during the tribulation, many after the tribulation that don't really affect us. We can learn from them, right. but they don't belong to us. Amen. 
if they were one and the same, we have to say that God has broken promises he's made to a particular people. And so, could he change his mind in the future when he looks at Could we trust church? him? Could we trust the Lord to yeah. say what yeah. he means and do what he's promised? If Israel's not going to have his promises fulfilled, what hope do we have that we're going to have ours if we have a God that can change his mind? Very good point. Yes. True. Having said that, however, there are some statements in these three verses which can be made to apply at other times, before the tribulation, after the tribulation. For example, everyone that shall be found written in the book of life shall be delivered. I believe that is a reference to the Lamb's book of life in which God's elect from all nations and from all time are named. So the Israelite David is there. And the pre-Israelite Abraham has his name written in this book. As well as Peter and Paul and you and me who are the children of God. Others as well. That reference to the book of life therefore stretches beyond the tribulation. We can apply it in other ways. And verse number two, which speaks about resurrection, also can be accepted as a generalized statement. It doesn't differentiate between the resurrections prior to the tribulation and following the tribulation. But it does suggest there are different resurrections for the saved and the lost. As the Lord Jesus said in John 5, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear the voice of the Son of Man himself. And all that are in the graves shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. There are two, generally speaking, two resurrections for the saved and the lost. I believe there will be multitudes of people, if not hundreds of thousands, saved during the tribulation. Probably the majority of these will be Israelites. But I will not rule out the salvation of multitudes of Gentiles as well. I have been taught, I don't know how firmly I believe it, I'm leaning in that direction, that those who have heard the gospel today will be left in their unbelief during the tribulation. Whether that's true or not true, there will be other Gentiles and others who have not heard the gospel who will hear it at that time and be born again. And just as it is today, the Holy Spirit will use a variety of means to bring his chosen to himself. Among them will be his employment of people whom we might call today in the course of this series soul winners. For example, there will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists. That's what it says. It's a real number. 12,000 from defined tribes. 
There will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists, but there may be others as well. There are the two witnesses and so on and so forth. Here, they are described as wise. In verse number three, they are wise because they can see through the problems of that day and their problems will be far more, what's the word, basic than our problems are today? Primal? Doesn't matter. They can see through the problems of the day toward what is truly important. What is important is Christ, salvation. They're wise in that they have learned that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But in, ad- in addition to that, they will have learned that the most important, most important thing in life is salvation through Christ. Not just fear of God, however that want, you want to define that, but trust in Christ. They will see that. They will see, as we should see, that to share Christ's righteousness with lost souls is extremely important. It is wise. It is kind. It is loving to share Christ with lost souls. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness They shall shine as the stars forever and ever. For this last lesson, I would like to point to the people of this verse and make an analogy. I readily readily admit that this verse isn't or wasn't at the time primarily speaking about us. It's talking about those evangelists of the tribulation period. Its context is Israel and the tribulation. But what I would like to do is make an application, an analogy, if you like. And one reason why I feel confident or bold in doing that is because there's an analogy contained within the verse. And they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as stars. We have a picture. They shall shine as stars. Okay, on uh, Tuesday night, uh, we were hit with a storm. Went most of uh, Wednesday. We got a foot of snow here. The Fulton's got nearly two feet up there. How did you do at your place along the hill? We had a storm. It reminds us that, uh, I was going to say winter's coming. No, it's already here. It reminds us that the new year is coming along. And during the next five or six weeks, from now until February, I suppose, there will be all kinds of televised awards programs. I don't watch them. I can't tell you who the sponsors are. And I don't really know what they all mean, but I do know a few names. There are the Tony Awards. There are the Oscars. There are the Golden Globe Awards. There are several music awards. There's the Christian Music Association in the country. I don't know how many there are. Uh, There are sports awards. 
There are awards for sports telecasts. There are awards given to sports athletes in whatever field they are. From what I understand, there are awards for children's shows. Don't quote me on this, but I think there is an award for soap opera shows. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. And in every genre, there's a special brand of star. These stars are people who have made it to the top of their particular category. Some of, some of them have cheated, clawed their way to the top, stabbed a few people in the back to get there. And there are others who have gotten to the top by sweat and pain, like the, the, the sports awards. But for every star, there are a thousand others who are waiting on tables and parking cars and trimming grass. I think I heard that once in a song. You and I will never become a star according to the standards of the world. At least I hope that is the case. But there's something else. In another way, we can be stars. We can be stars in the sight of God's saints and perhaps even in the opinion of the Lord himself. As I hinted earlier, verse number two reminds us that every one of us who has been born again shall one day live again. Some who now sleep in the dust shall awake to shame and everlasting contempt. The dead, small and great, shall stand before God who sits upon that great white throne. Multitudes will be separated from God's sheep to be cast into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. They will spend eternity in hell so hot that there will not be a corner in which they can hide from their pain. They won't find a single drop of water to ease their discomfort in any way, shape, or form. On the other hand, there will be the dead in Christ who rise to glory. They will be invited to uh, dwell in mansions prepared by the divine architect. They will receive rewards laid aside for them, made of gold, silver, and bedazzled with uh, precious stones. Among them will be victor's crowns, including that crown which is set aside for the uh, elder of the Lord's church. And among them will be those wise souls who shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. You and I can be in that number. Whether or not we've ever pastored a church or died a missionary martyr's death, we can still have this honor. Who are these shining ones? They are described only as wise, and they that turn many to righteousness. Can we be more specific than that? Maybe a little bit. There, let's begin with the fact that the Bible says there's a wisdom which does not descend from heaven. 
there are two kinds of wisdom. There's plenty of wisdom which is earthly, sensual, and ultimately devilish. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about a wisdom of the world which is foolishness with God. Romans 1.22 speaks about people who profess to be wise but who are obviously fools because they live and die without the Savior. It's not my definition. It's what we get out of the Word of God. But the wisdom of Daniel 12 is not related to any or either of these. Job 28.28 tells us that there is a wisdom which begins with the fear of the Lord. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil, that's, that's smart, that's understanding. Proverbs 4.7 suggests that this wisdom is perhaps one of the most uh, valuable commodities on earth. Wisdom is the principal thing, Solomon says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. But again, I say... It is not the wisdom of the world. It's not scientific wisdom. It's not a literary wisdom. It is spiritual wisdom. This wisdom is the principal thing. With all thy getting, get the uh, uh, all thy getting of wisdom in this world. Let's make sure that we have this this relationship with God, wherein is real wisdom. The doorway to this wisdom is repentance. A humble repentance is the foyer to heaven. There has to be a correlation between this wisdom and repentance. No one is going to have access to the presence and the eternal blessings of God without the wisdom of repentance. This kind of wisdom is not native to us. It's not something that comes natural to us. It is an eternal blessing from God. It is a gift of God. The wise people of Daniel 12 are gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. These wise people know that others need to repent just as they have done. And that is a gift of God. Second Timothy 2.15 The wisdom of our text knows full well the true condition of the human heart. It has driven that evangelist to the Savior before he was an evangelist. Now he's a child of God and now he's a servant of the Lord. And it motivates him to share what he knows of the Lord with his neighbors, revealing to them what he has received. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and attend unto good counsels. And James says, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. 
Have you ever come on an accident, maybe a car accident or something else, where there were serious and maybe semi-serious injuries? There are some broken bones, some contusions, maybe a concussion, maybe a compound fracture, maybe blood running into the street. Then along came someone who knew enough and was composed enough to do something about it. Maybe he was a civilian. Maybe he was an uh, off-duty EMT or policeman or fireman or something like this. And immediately he began shouting orders to create some makeshift bandages. Uh, maybe he was able to splint a broken bone rather quickly. He's barking orders, he takes off his coat and he throws it around someone who's <laughs> shivering in shock and he's telling people to call 911, that sort of thing. The experience and the wisdom of the stranger quickly shine through and take over the accident scene until the experts get there. When someone is properly filled with the wisdom of God and is yielded to the Holy Spirit, he cannot keep that wisdom hidden. It will come out. There's been an accident here. There's death close by. Something needs to be done. He's a person who is aware of the spiritual condition of others. He's a person who is concerned about people's spiritual welfare. He's trying to prevent eternal death here. He who has this wisdom and shares this wisdom will eventually be recognized by the divine society, shall we say, he will be honored. He will shine as the stars forever and ever. We have a wisdom to share with the nations. Everyone who is a child of God. We have a wisdom to share with the nations that can be used by the Holy Spirit to turn other people to the Lord. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise, Proverbs 11.30. This is the duty of everyone who claims God's wisdom. But it is not a duty that is faithfully carried out by the majority of God's people. Jude says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion. Make a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. There is a wisdom that belongs to the first responder, shall we say. We all know that firefighting is dangerous and uh, should be left to the experts. But if we come on a house fire and we know there's someone trapped inside, most of us would try to do something to save that person's life. Might not be very much, but we try to do what we can. That's the condition of this world. It's in flames. Right. It's on fire and it's intensifying. We are in that burning house. We're surrounded by those flames. It is set on fire of hell, to borrow a 
phrase from another scripture. And the people upon this planet are in grave danger. How do we point them to righteousness? We begin by telling them the truth. We tell them that their righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We tell them that except their righteousness exceeds the righteous of the really religious people, they shall burn in the lake of fire. We tell them that their only hope is the righteousness of Christ. They that be wise shall use their lips to turn many to righteousness. And they will use their lives in a general day-to-day way to illustrate the testimony that they give of Christ. And they do all that to bring others into a place where they can meet the Savior. These people shall be rewarded. They shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and as stars. We're coming up in awards. The, the awards season. There are hundreds of sports figures across the country who are considered stars in their particular sport. For example, Denver has two very special football players who were at the best of their sport. They've been revered and almost worshipped by their fans because they have taken their teams and their fans along with them into championship games and they've won those games. I don't know if you can picture who I'm referring to. Uh, Physically speaking, neither one is a particularly handsome individual. Uh, Homely, if not funny looking. And yet they are stars in the heavens to Colorado football fans because physical appearance isn't important when you come to this particular star or award. To whom will the wise soul winner be as a star? It doesn't matter how they look. In my mind, I'm not sure that they will be stars in the sight of God. Because no, no soul winner has ever saved a soul. There's only one Savior. And God the Father will permit no human being to usurp the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as the Lord is concerned, soul winning should be common among the saints, not just found among the stars. There should be as many spiritual stars in God's heaven as there are stars in our night sky. And probably, along with the Lord, God's angels will not look upon the soul winner as a star. To whom will the soul winner be like a star? To those individuals who they have pointed to Christ. When sinners come to understand the depths in which they wallowed before their salvation, when they finally realize what the holiness of God really is, 
when they see the necessity of the Lord's work in their hearts because of their wretched condition, they will be so filled with love and gratitude to those who help them to see these things that there will be a bond created, a special love. It appears that the Lord may grant the soul winner just a little bit of recognition, at least uh, within the heart of these few that they have brought to the cross. But then, when the true light appears, the stars disappear. Always has been. The stars shine brightly locally. Most of them shine more brightly than our own sun if they were put side by side. Why can't we see the stars more clearly and more often? Why can't we step outside and see them right now? It's not because clouds are in the way. Is it because we're too occupied with life? How we get our priorities all confused. We set aside a day to honor Mother. There is a Father's Day in June. There's Grandparents' Day. There's Bosses' Day. We got all kinds of special days set aside. And of course, most people recognize their, their own particular birthday. It's a special day. But if people die without Christ, there will be an eternity when they will curse the day that they were born. If you leave this life without the Savior, you may curse your parents for bringing you into this world. But of course, that you died without Christ is not on their shoulders, it's on yours. You need to repent and trust the Savior, and no one can do that on your behalf. On the other hand, if the Lord sends someone into your life with a message of God's love and His sacrifice, if you are truly born again by the grace of God, you will have a connection with that person which will extend throughout eternity. It'll be a blessing. That soul winner will have become more important to you than your own mother. That might be disturbing to mothers, but true nevertheless. That person did not save your soul. And the honor you give to him will not be the same as what you give to the Savior. But perhaps the Lord will allow you to remember that connection forever and ever. I say forever. Notice that these wise ones shall shine eternally. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. They will be more like stars than comets, shooting stars. They just pass through. These ones are permanently in the uh, firmament of God's glory. They will shine forever. People on earth today may ignore the soul winner. People today may hate the soul winner. 
football fans in Cleveland, Ohio hate looking at the face of one of those football players I mentioned about Denver. Maybe you guys aren't football fans and you don't understand what's going on. That's all right. I'll let that slide. The world may hate the missionary or the evangelist, but the Lord loves those that turn many to righteousness. By His grace they shall shine. How shall the wise shine? Each one individually. Every star in our sky shines in its own quadrant and with its own particular brilliance. Some more, some less. Some red, some blue. Some yellow and so on. And it will be so also with the glorification of each one of those children of God. The indolent, selfish Christian will not lose his salvation. But he will have to admit that he has been saved yet so as by fire. And the fire shall just consume what he's done with his life. But he's saved. Some saints are more genuine servants of God than other saints. And Christ will honor them. There are those crowns. There are those rewards that Corinthians talks about. The tightwad and the spiritual miser will be saved if he's trusting Christ. But that's all. While they that turn many others to righteousness shall shine more brightly than a celestial star. You may mean, sincerely mean from the bottom of your heart that you will be pleased to enter heaven as nothing but a spiritual pauper. Just to be there is greater than anything upon this earth. You may say you deserve nothing and that you are delighted to have been saved by God's grace. But I believe the Lord's not satisfied with that. He wants more from us. He wants us to be stars in His eternal constellation. He wants to give His children those crowns, those rewards. And that means we have to follow His leadership. We have to, have to grasp His power and obey Him in the little things and the big things that He sets before us. We need to follow His leadership. It's our, our God-given responsibility to shine. The Lord Jesus spoke of this. Let your candle shine. We're in a very dark place, a very dark world. Our neighbors need to see the face of Christ. And as we hold up our little candle, perhaps they can do that. This is our job. This is our responsibility. And the more we shine as that little candle the more we shall shine as stars in the Lord's universe, His firmament. We have responsibilities. We're running out of time. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that You would use us publicly, privately. Give us hearts that 
yearn and burn for souls so that we're praying for lost souls and reaching out to them sharing gospel material and the words of the gospel as well pray Lord that you would use us this day bless Brother Fulton as he speaks up there in Deer Park today We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You.